Uh, well, I was waiting for you to record to let you know that well, not only was this already a fucking, well, not like hateful experience, but you know when you're like, I've got 20 things I want to do, and this is the uh-huh. time that Victor Hugo is like, instead of making you read like five chapters that are like one to two pages long, he's like, here's one chapter. It's over 20 pages long. And oh it ends God. in such a way that I was just like, why did you do this to me, Victor Hugo? And like by extension, Nemo. Like, like based on uh, like other episodes, this is a thing that's already happened to me. But like, it was cemented so hard in like the final le- line of this fucking chapter that I was just like, this isn't what I needed today. Uh, I have no idea what you're referring to, and I cannot wait to find out. You're gonna be so um. goddamn smug. <laughs> uh, welcome to Bread and Barricades, a Lemurs podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I use they them pronouns. I am your host, and um, recent sewer rat. Come on, Nemo. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I dragged all of my friends to Paris just so that we could go to the sewers. <laughs> it was great, and I was so excited. And um, I want to immediately get a job in the Parisian sewers, specifically so that I can make their gift shop better. Because it's a shitty gift shop, and it didn't have any Valjean merch in it. Yeah. But I did turn a corner, and then there was this huge mural of Jean Valjean, and it wasn't labelled at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then as we as Stevie and I were taking a photo in front of it, this tour group like <laughs> like turned a corner. This group of like 20 people just started watching us taking a selfie in front of this like painted mural. And as we were like the kind of like scaring well, away was, like rats. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was like awkwardly like don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. And the tour guide person was like, so, um, this mural, who can guess who it's of? And I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) so that was the peak of my life. Uh, This is Stevie, she, they pronouns, primary researcher and fellow sewer rat. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I really didn't expect us to just be wandering in the actual tunnels with the open sewage, like... (laughs) (laughs) under our feet it was kind of thrilling like it was very spooky (laughs) yeah it does like uh there were a couple of passages where you could see like into the complete darkness and i was like oh god yeah it would have been so dark (laughs) (laughs) so dark so narrow we could see the rats our fellow rats yeah Uh, babies and also like what did people what did people do before covid because we were wearing masks right which didn't keep out all of the smell but surely it kept out a lot of like bad stuff from going into our bodies but people must have just been like raw dogging it down there (laughs) before covid well did you hear the tour guide ahead of us where she was like so there used to be little like boat tours of parts of the sewer (laughs) but that they had to stop doing it because kids kept sticking their hands into the raw sewer oh my god (laughs) I was just like, nice. <laughs> that would have been me, though. I would have just, like, forgotten. Yeah. Well, it was very, like, it felt... It, when you go to places like this on holidays, you really get the different experiences of, of, like, what different places governments think of its 
people, I mm. think. Because if it had been England, all the <laughs> don't walk down this dark hole that we can see the rats down, there would have been no way of us physically being able to do that. Because they'd be like, you stupid little English people. If we don't make it impossible, they're going to do it. But France literally just had like one little sign, like, maybe don't walk down here. And if you do, you're a fucking idiot and you deserve what happens. It was like the same same with walking down the river across the Seine, right? Like, if you walk anywhere in London near the Thames, like, there's a, there's a, a barrier, like a really quite tall barriers that you cannot like fall in whereas if you're walking next to the Senate, it's like yeah you can just walk off <laughs> you can just do that <laughs> well idiot british english people <laughs> if only javert had been in london he would have he would have had to face the consequences of his change of heart <laughs> Um, Paris just being like if you want to complete suicide then that's your business not us you want to walk (sighs) into the sewer like (laughs) go on man like you're your own fool (laughs) we didn't we 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 heeded the little warning it was like almost (laughs) actually being given so much trust that you're like I don't trust myself (laughs) maybe I will walk in god no the English in me is activating (laughs) But yeah, we had a good, we had a grand old time. Uh, I'm not sure if Nima's already posted the pictures of us crawling around in the sewer to the Instagram, but that should go up. Yes, it's the most the awkward. Actually, if wait, did you say that you have? Or we hadn't. I have. I have. Did you do the one where we look like ghouls <laughs> trying to take a picture no, of the better one? I'll post the uh, the the outtake one. Um. I was like, I wish I could say speaking of outtakes, like I'm going to be trying to take out as much of these (laughs) 20 something pages of this single chapter just to like get us through it. But I don't know. Mm. Come back from the high of finally having enjoyed Paris and then Victor Hugo's like, (laughs) don't enjoy French things, actually. (laughs) Here's the longest chapter you've ever seen. Wait, sorry. Mm -hmm. I know that something that you reminded me to do last time, which I only just remembered, was that if you are listening to this episode, then you have like five days to go and buy a ticket to the Barricade Lemers Convention. And so you should do that. The link is in our description, but I think if you just type in Barricade Convention, you'll be able to see it. There are scholarship tickets as well, so you can get them for free, but it's only like £10, I think. And there's three days... And on the first day, Stevie and I are going to be talking about podcasts um, with two other people, uh, Brianna Lewis and David Montgomery. Yeah, about Les Mis and, and France and podcasting and how 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 are different audiences, how, how we talk to different audiences. So that'll be fun. And then on Sunday, I am doing a talk about uh people of color in Les Mis and so you should also come and watch that because I am uh scared out of my god there's also like a billion other ones and 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 loads of really interesting things so yes if you still listen to this and you haven't got tickets for that then you should very special guest Nemo Martin (laughs) yeah that's true I am a guest of honor (laughs) and like like 
um, pretty much everyone that I have quoted in my PhD is giving a talk at this convention, and it's like, uh, <laughs> um, Lamer's academic royalty is going to be there, and I'm mm. like, oh, and it's just me as well. <laughs> That's because you are Lamer's academic royalty, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> to be, I'm a little princeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, where we left off, Monsieur mm. LeBlanc was at his meeting with Jondrette uh, and mm. Marius was peeking through that little hole at the mm. top of his wall and Jondrette had just finally gotten around to being like all of this me asking you for money to say yes, all that's besides the point do you recognise me? <laughs> the chapter title the only chapter we're doing today <laughs> The Trap uh, <laughs> So the door gets flung open and there's three men in blue overalls wearing black paper masks and they're holding various weapons. We've got a cudgel, because we love those in Les Mis, um, <laughs> being held by a t- thin man. The next one's like a colossus of a man and he's got a poleaxe that you slaughter cattle with. And then we've got another oh. man who's just like standard sized, I guess. <laughs> And this one, um, man number one was a bit too small, and man number two was very big, but man number three was just right. Thick set shoulders, not as thin, not as massive. Nemo's right, but he does have a. It's an enormous key in his fist, not an enormous fist with a key. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> an enormous key. From the door of some prison, and that's his weapon of choice. What? There's, like, literally anything else on the street would be better. <laughs> I don't know what the key to a Parisian prison would have looked like at the time. You took me to a sewer, not to an old-timey <laughs> prison. <laughs> Next time. Uh, though, I guess, you know, like, that thing of um, if you were a marginalised gender and, and you are told to put your keys in your uh, fists when you're walking home, mm. that's that's fairly, like, knuckle dusters for free. Yeah, and it does say enormous, so the biggest knuckle duster. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the, now that we've got our Goldilocks of men, mm. um, this is what Jondrette has apparently been waiting for. And he's like, is everything ready? Yeah, everything's ready. And Montparnasse, like, where is he? And they're like, oh, he's chatting with your daughter. And he's like, which daughter? The eldest. Like, we just, like, take the time in the middle of these exciting (laughs) scenes to just, like, go over some details. The gig's ready. We've got two good horses. Great, excellent horses. Everything's where it should be. Good, good, good. And Monsieur LeBlanc, as always, he's just like really politely lets these things happen around him. He's like, you go through this. It's fine. I'll just sit here. It's kind of like, you know, in heist films where you know that the plan isn't going to go well when they detail the plan in every step. Ah, you're right. Victor Hugo, are you um, starting a genre? (laughs) Monsieur LeBlanc, he like he's he's politely letting this happen, but he has the face of someone who realizes his predicament, and he's sort of like <laughs> looking around, and he's very attentive, and but there's nothing in his manner that resembles fear. And only a moment ago, it seemed that he was just this kindly old gent, but suddenly he turned into some sort of athlete. 
laying his robust fist on the back of the chair in a gesture that's that's fearsome and unexpected you know um i i I can't remember if i mentioned it here or not but um we went to see the batman a couple of weeks ago the robert pattinson one and it was the first time that i've ever seen like one of these things where i was like oh i would never ever guess that bruce wayne is batman if i lived in this world because if you look at batman he's like this huge hulking man and then you look at Bruce Wayne as played by Robert Pattinson it's like that's a drowned rat <laughs> that is a that is a small child an emo boy <laughs> and like you look at them together and you're like no they are not the same man that's what's happened here like uh, Jean Valjean is like looking like a uh, when he's being uh, a gentleman looks like the most drowned old man <laughs> who's just like very soft and tired and then he suddenly becomes the Batman <laughs> You're right. This feels like the the first time that you're like, good job, like Clark Kenting, your Superman. <laughs> Finally, um, yeah, I guess he learned something from Jean Valjean. I think it's all. <laughs> I'm imagining it's all that like all Jean Valjean did. I guess is like give himself good posture and put his giant enormous fist on the table, <laughs> and you're like, oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> um. He's just like seems like one of those people who's courageous in the same way that they're kind, easily and simply. It's just oh. so easy to be huge and athletic and hulking and kindly. <laughs> and then I like had to pause and read this to Sarah, but Victor Hugo he just does sometimes say things as if that's like everybody's experience, and you're like, okay, <laughs> where he's like. The father of a woman we love is never a stranger to us. What? Okay. <laughs> like, what? Because Marius watches this happen and he's like, damn, I'm so proud of this old man. <laughs> that's my dad. Yo, that's my dad. <laughs> so he was like, okay, Victor Hugo, sure. So while he's, you know, showing himself to be this giant muscle man, the three men who've just come in go over to that little pile of iron and they pick up some more weapons of choice. So we've got some shears and a crowbar and a hammer now. Uh, and they, they're barring the door. And the old man, there is an old man who's been on the bed. A different old man. This really threw me off for a while. There's a lot of logistics in this chapter. <laughs> There's a different old man who's had his eyes closed, but now they're open. And the Jondrette woman is sat next to him. So these are all mm-hmm. the players right now. And Marius is like, okay, it's probably time to intervene. And he raises his gun to the ceiling. He's ready to fire when Jondrette turns to Monsieur LeBlanc and is still like, you don't recognize me? And Monsieur LeBlanc looks him straight in the face and is like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Jondrette like, comes closer on the table and is like, Thrusting his face in Monsieur LeBlanc's calm visage. Uh, with the attitude. <laughs> There's a lot of that for you this chapter, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> with the attitude of a wild beast about to, to bite. And it's like, my name's not Fombateau and it's not Jondrette. It's Tenardier. I'm the innkeeper from Montfermeil. Do you hear? Now do you recognize me? Da da da! <laughs> Oh my um, god, plot twist. 
none of us could have foreseen or accidentally revealed. (laughs) And Monsieur LeBlanc gets a little bit flushed in the face, but he's Uh still no tremor in the voice. He's like, no more than I recognized you before. Mm-hmm. So while he's like laying these sick burns, Marius, on the other hand, is like, "Oh shit!" Because mm. so the journey I went on is that I was like, "Marius, why does that freak you out?" And then I remembered <laughs> Marius's backstory, and then Hugo was like, "In case you didn't remember, here is their backstory." <laughs> so I'm glad that my brain cells sparked literally one sentence before Hugo had to remind me. <laughs> Can you imagine if you didn't remember uh, just as uh, as just 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 as Hugo was like, let me remind you, like how <laughs> devastating would that be? I know because whenever that has happened, I have been quite devastated. Because <laughs> whenever he does it, and I have remembered, I'm like, you think I'm such a fucking idiot, don't you, Vicky? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I am. <laughs> so for any of us who don't remember. Marius is aghast. He's stupefied. He's thunderstruck. But he's like, oh no, that's the name that my dear daddy told me <laughs> that if I ever come across a Tenardier, I need to be, I need to help him immediately because he saved my life. Mm. And because Marius now venerates his dad so much, he's like, all I want to do is make him proud. All I want to do in life now is like do that thing. And I always promised. If I ever found this Tenardier, I would throw myself on my knees and before him and be like, what can I do for you, sir? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's shaking and he's aghast and it's like a cold blade of a sword has run through his heart. Um, and the hand that was in the air ready to shoot to signal to Javert, who's in the wings, has mm. fallen down in his horror because he's like... This is the name that I've worn on my in my heart from my father's will. And now he has to find out his father's saviour was a villain. <laughs> a monster. <laughs> that he kind of goes in this circle. Like, I guess this this is very shocking, but it's quite a long paragraph where he's like, oh my god. <laughs> but he saved my dad. But he's a villain. But he saved my dad. But he's a villain. He looks like a murderer. <laughs> What a twist of fate, what bitter irony that he's like, what do I do? Do I honour my dad's will? Or do Mm. I stop this crime in progress that looks like it's going to end in a murder? Yeah, my old dad or my new dad. Mm. And you're like, Marius is a crime happening right now? Not Does that not trump it? But then I guess like, it means a lot to Marius, I guess. Like, I don't know, I was trying to, as I was, he, he really struggles over this. Yeah, I guess, like, because it is that thing of, like, him... But then, yeah, <laughs> so my, my thought journey was, like, you know, he, he doesn't have very much to hold on to apart from this one request of his dad, which was, if you meet Tenardier, do what you can to help him. And, but then, yeah, I, I, it is, I think it... <sighs> props to Hugo, <sighs> that it is quite a good dilemma because it is, like... A very obviously bad situation, um, but he doesn't have anything else about his father that he can actually honour. Yeah, I guess so, because I was like, Marius, the obvious choice. But then I was like, I guess honour mattered more back then, question mark. 
Mm, yeah. And, and you know, like, legacy building, like your father's name kind of thing. Mm. Like, that's quite a big thing. Mm. Yeah, okay, we'll give some benefit of the doubt to Marius being like, <laughs> do I watch a murder happen? <laughs> <laughs> what does that episode of Kufarek and Gomberfair's podcast look like? <laughs> Are they just in stunned uh, silence? We nearly, we nearly, our friend nearly committed murder uh, is the like title. Oh my of god, the, the clickbait. Um, clickbait, there we go. Yeah, and the like YouTube thumbnail is both of them doing big shocked faces. Yeah, and there's like a, a bloody knife or, and a pistol. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like, I guess, you know, I'm gonna, am I gonna repay this man who's maybe about to do a murder with the scaffold? Maybe. Mm. But maybe I shouldn't. But like on the one hand, do I? But then I have to witness this crime. Am I going to witness a crime and not prevent it? But also, I promised my dad. I'm now coming around to the to fuck you, Marius again. <laughs> it didn't take long. <laughs> um, yeah. What condemn the victim and spare the assassin? Could a person be bound by any debt of gratitude to such a wretch? Much to think about, Marius. Yeah. And also, this isn't the only opportunity you'll ever get, surely. Like, you can save this person from being murdered and then thank Tenadier. Separately. Later. I guess. Yeah. Like, as he's <laughs> waving off to prison. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's not much thanks. Um, <laughs> well, he's got in his hands the fate of these unwitting individuals mm. playing out their fates beneath his gaze in this. So I guess that was some good, I was going to say, like, filmography, cinematic language, but I guess mm. theatrical language of Marius has been above watching over them in a place of power this whole mm. time. And the power is in his tiny little hands. Yeah, that is that is interesting. Mm. Especially because he was just in the moonlight as well. And mm. now he has the power of fate. I don't like that he's being put in <laughs> godly status. <laughs> well, didn't you say he is Victor Hugo's OC and we know that Victor Hugo is Jesus <laughs> Christ himself? <laughs> yeah, and also uh, Olympus himself. So, uh, yeah. Olymp- I apologise, Olympus. <laughs> well, is he going to undo one and be the downfall of the other? Remorse either way. What should he do? What should he choose? Vote now. <laughs> the way you said that was very like Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Tenardier, no murdering. <laughs> Come on, everyone. Say it with me. Tenardier, no murder. Tenardier, no murder. Is everyone making the hole with your finger and thumb? Oh, don't worry. Always looking down through his little peaky hole. <laughs> Well, Marius feels like he's gone mad and his knees are giving way. He is on the verge of fainting. Meanwhile, Tenardier, for we shall refer to him by no other name from this point on. <laughs> I was like, great, thanks, Hugo, because I was really struggling with all of these names. He's pacing in this frenzied, crazed triumph. And he's like, cooked, roasted, skewered, done to a turn. Ha, I've got you, Monsieur LeBlanc. Um... <laughs> And he just like keeps pacing and he's like, I found you, Monsieur the Philanthropist, Monsieur the Threadbare Millionaire, Monsieur who gives away dollars. Um, I recognised you straight away. It was you who had a yellow coat. <laughs> but I just love that he <laughs> also... and Stevie share one brain cell. <laughs> and it's, it's literally just yellow coat. 
So I was like, yeah, you would remember that coat because that's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, there's like, you're the one who took away Fontaine's child, Alouette. And you had a bundle of clothes then too. You just love taking packages full of woolen stockings to people's houses, you old do-gooder. <laughs> Are you a haberdasher, <laughs> Monsieur the Millionaire? <laughs> I recognize you, even uh, dressed all shabby, looking like a pauper, deceiving people, taking away their livelihood. Um, you old scoundrel, you child stealer. Scoundrel. <laughs> scoundrel. <laughs> Paces, like he just like is constantly pacing and just like when he's not shouting at Monsieur Little Millionaire, he's muttering to himself and then it's like, God, that innocent look on his face. Damn it, you've made a fool of me in the past. You're the cause of all my woes. For 1,500 francs, you got yourself a girl. And she had already brought me loads of cash in and she would have kept me in money for even longer. I squandered everything on that watering hole. I wish all the wine that was drunk on my premises had poisoned those that drank it. You had the advantage before when you had that cudgel in the forest. <laughs> but I'm the one he with said, the thrusting to and from. <laughs> That's going to be the stage direction of our, our pantomime <laughs> of this site of this scene. Yeah. Well, it's my turn now. I'm the one laughing. Of course, I'm laughing. You walked straight into my trap. You believed that I needed to pay. <laughs> the rent needed to be paid tomorrow, the 14th of February. You didn't even notice that it's the 8th of January and not the 4th of February that a payment is due, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I think How could you not remember idiot. that it's Valentine's Day, you daft idiot? <laughs> Bastard bringing me four wretched coins. You should have had the decency to bring me a hundred francs. I was licking your boots this morning and I'll what? be sinking my teeth into you this evening. <laughs> No, that was the one point that I made note to pause to allow you to make some kind of comment. No, I was staring off into the distance like, I don't like how much erotic stuff there is here because that means I have to consider it. (laughs) That was the one that took it too far. Yeah, I was like... um, Actually, because I was having fun, it's all fun and games until you start, like, because I just wrote this chapter, right, which is about the Tenardiers and about, like, um, so writing up uh, all that stuff that we were talking about, about, like, creatures and, you know, mm. um, that kind of stuff. Um, but also, like, how how often uh, non-white people are compared to, like, monsters and animals and, you know, beasts beasts mm. because they're not human and so um in my head it, it, it slowly stopped being the like haha it's funny because Tanadi is thrusting to and from his cudgel and you know that kind of stuff to it yeah it took it to that bit where I was like is it it's not on purpose right the the like kind of homoerotic like obviously we're playing it up for laughs mm. but um my yeah I was like staring off into the distance because that was like is it on purpose? I don't think that it is, but but because he's compared to um, cannibals and stuff, and and to Native American people, where he, so the like, um, uh, and I'll sink my teeth into mm. you, was very like, um, oh, because he is compared to Native American people and, and um, savages in scare quotes, uh, and, and has that like cannibalism theme. That's where I was like. <laughs> I can. Uh, uh, I I really wanted to continue playing along with the joke, but my brain immediately put the brakes on and was like, "Oh no, it ruined the funny thing." 
<laughs> now you have to think about this. <laughs> now I have to be serious. No. <laughs> well, thank you for taking me on your thought journey. Because I was just like, oh, yeah. that, you didn't enjoy that one? <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> I couldn't get you to stop doing it a minute ago. <laughs> Stevie was like, thank you for the racism. Justice wants Hugo because now Nemo won't be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tenardier, after that final remark, pauses to take a breath. And his scrawny chest is puffing and blowing like a blacksmith's bellows. Um... <laughs> And his eyes are full of that base delight of a weak, cruel, cowardly creature, finally able to overcome what it had feared and insult what it had flattered, with the glee of a dwarf that might place his foot on Goliath's head, glee of a jackal beginning to tear to pieces a sick bull. So, both described mm. as creatures, but mostly uh, Tenardier there mm. in that metaphor. Yeah, you literally like draw attention to the creature thing that we bring up often, and then Hugo's like, and once again for the cheat seats, he's a creature. And Monsieur LeBlanc, MVP, is like, I just don't know what you mean. You're mistaken. I'm a very poor man. I don't know you. You just get me mixed up with someone. It happens all the time. <laughs> um, cut to Jean Valjean's inner monologue where he's just sweating. <laughs> just screaming. <laughs> and Tenardier's like, oh my god, like, you're floundering, old man, sticking to that story. You mm. don't remember. You can't see who I am. Whatever. And Monsieur Blanc, in his very polite tone of voice, that was strangely powerful. <laughs> Forgive me, Monsieur. I see that you're a villain. <laughs> and <laughs> um, it made me think, like, it would be really funny if this wasn't Jean Valjean and it was actually that guy <laughs> at Arras, you know, the one who's in the court case. Um, I think his name is <gasps> oh Chum, my God, yeah. Chum Matthew. And, like, that he's just, like, caught in this thing again. He's like, again. No, I, don't, I have no fucking clue who you are. And Tenardier is like, I know your real name, Jean Valjean. And he's like, fucking hell we need to get like tattoos or something yeah oh my god that's the version we need poor <laughs> Sean Matthew why does this keep happening to you you're just like you just hold up too well under pressure everyone's like look at him so calm must be a fucking criminal <laughs> at hearing the husband being called a villain the mm. Tenardier wife jumps up because who has not noticed that hateful individuals have their own sensitivity, that monsters are ticklish, mm. and that, yeah, hearing him being called a villain, she leaps up and, like, looks like she's gonna do something, and he's, the husband's like, stay where you are, um, like, it doesn't hurt him to hear that, turns to Monsieur LeBanc is like, villain, yes, I know that's what you call us, you rich folk, and then <laughs> does his villain monologue. But then does his villain monologue. But as always, Tenardier, you're like, half of this is really good points. Where he's like, yeah, that's what you rich folk call us. Well, I, it's true, my business did go bust. Um, hmm. I've, I have no food and I have no money. I'm a villain. I'm not in, eating for three days. I'm a villain. Um, 
You kept your feet warm. You have shoes made by Sikorsky. You have padded overcoats like archbishops. You live on the first floor in houses with caretakers and eat truffles and asparagus at 40 francs a bunch in the month of January. <laughs> You're just like, Ooh. green peas, you gorge <laughs> yourselves. And when you want to know whether it's cold, you look in the newspaper to see. Um, whereas we're our own thermometers because we're, <laughs> we're fucking freezing. We can feel our blood freezing in our veins and we say there is no God. You come into our dens, yes, our dens, and call us villains. We'll eat you, poor things. We'll devour you, monsieur the millionaire. Um, I'll have you know this. I had my own business. I was licensed. I was entitled to vote. I'm a respectful citizen and you may very well not be. It's it's really funny. I I know we've talked about Marvel Vitalitis like so many times, <laughs> but um this latest um Moon Knight, I, the first two episodes came out, and no spoilers, but the villain is a fucking vegan who's like gentrifying <laughs> the bad parts of London, and it oh really is like <laughs> guys. <laughs> now it's just like, farcical. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm teaching all these poor children how to speak like three different languages. And look, all of these black people now have a really safe area to like play football in. And it's like, <laughs> okay. And then he's like, and also I'm going to murder everyone. It's like, mm, yeah. I see. I see that there is no agenda here, Disney. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it. we've been doing that since forever because... <laughs> What really got me was the um, eating your your expensive asparagus, even when it's off season. <laughs> that I was like, God, I don't even think about things like that. They're like, yeah, we do sure like get to eat food that isn't in season because we can import it. Yeah. Though that is the very like, um, you know, us being like, wow, if I, um, I, I need to eat this entire meal so that I don't create any food waste instead of the billionaires making food yeah. waste. Like, you know. Yeah, that's true. Okay. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but you're like, there's some, there's some points in here. But also, I'm going to kill you. Then works back up into a frenzy because I was like, you come, you come in here and call me the lowest of the low. I'm not some shady customer. I'm a French veteran, don't you know? I was at Waterloo, I was. And uh, <laughs> I saved some comp, something, somebody or other. Like He said his name, but it was very quiet, so I couldn't really hear it. I wish I had heard his name, because that would have been more useful to me. And then it was like, the picture you see here, it was painted by David in Brussels. And I had already... I underlined it with the most excited squiggly line. I was like, oh my God, I have answers for Nemo. We can look up the painting that we've been talking about so often. I can't believe it's finally happening. And then realized it's not the painting. It's the, well, it is a painting, but it's not the painting that haunts us. It's the yeah. Waterloo fucking sign. sign. Which, didn't he say that he painted it himself? before well yeah don't worry we get reminded okay. of that later in, in case we forgot that he goes like fucking he, damn it <laughs> he says that it was painted by this great artist but lest we forget he's we know that the reader knows he painted it himself um, okay yeah you think that you're so smart for remembering things <laughs> <laughs> which because he like now he's really going out of his way to remind us i'm like did you throw these 400 pages to like you didn't want me to remember victor hugo you wanted you wanted me to be thrown off your rhythm 
This is all purposeful. <laughs> but yeah, back to the that, that painting that we see there, um, immortalizing that feat of valor of saving this general, uh, this, uh, no, yes, a general. And I've got the documents to prove it. I was a soldier. Let's just get on with it. I want cash. I want a great deal of cash. I want enormous quantities of cash. Or I will kill you. God damn it. <laughs> I totally didn't bring up all of that stuff about Waterloo for no fucking reason. That has nothing to do with you at all. If only somebody was overhearing me. God. <laughs> if only he could have known that Marius was <laughs> stood right there. And <laughs> once again, feeling anguish. Because... <laughs> Now he's certain, okay, it's not some different Tenardier. <laughs> sometimes Hugo is really good and sometimes it's just like so fucking dumb. Wait for the dumb one coming up just so shortly. <laughs> um, yeah, Marius, once again, I was like, oh God, like, yeah, oh, and I did promise him and oh, but... But this man, and he's so petty and full of rage, and oh, the chaos of real grievances, but with false sentiment. So it's like, oh, okay, no, okay, so I don't need to wonder. Hugo does know that he's giving him, Tenardier, like, real legit points, mm. real grievances, but that the those sentiments are false, <laughs> and he just, he enjoys <laughs> the pleasure of violence, so his points don't mean anything. <laughs> And you know, his soul's mm. ugly. <laughs> so <laughs> something hideously evil, but heartbreakingly true. So like, okay, mm. well, am I glad that Hugo recognizes that? I mean, but it that it's like irreparably ugly as a soul. Like, mm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll mull that one over. Cause there's just so mm. much still to go. <laughs> we that we get reminded Tenardier painted the the tavern sign himself. And this is the only relic that he preserved from the wreckage of Montfermeil. So that's all he brought from mm. there. And <laughs> Just in case he needs the fucking coincidence to happen. <laughs> and at this moment, he finally steps aside so Marius can really properly take it in and see that picture of the man carrying another man and... Marius is just like, oh god! It's like his father's brought back to life, and it was a resurrection to see this this sign, and a tomb has been opened, and a ghost has arisen from it, and his heart is pounding. You can hear the cannon of Waterloo in his ears. Um, his bleeding father, depicted uh, on this panel, like terrifies him, and it, he can f- like feel this shapeless figure staring at him, and he's like, oh god, I can't. Dad, I promised you. So I guess this painting was just here to re-traumatize Marius. (laughs) Literally its only purpose in the world. (laughs) Yeah, because Jean Valjean's just like, whatevs. (laughs) Yeah, like, he's just like, uh, do do you think that I'm promisey? Like, who do you think that I am? (laughs) Yeah, actually, because... He wouldn't have known that story. I guess he's just like, why are you telling me this? Just in case anyone wanted to know. Yeah, um, just, in, just in case speaking it into, uh, what's that thing? Um, When you like speak something into existence, like positive. Uh... God, okay, well. <laughs> um, manifesting, he's manifesting. Uh, manifest uh... it. <laughs> well, he did a good job then. He did manifest it. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, he did. Manifested a little traumatized boy peeking through <laughs> a hole. And he's like, okay, man who, Monsieur Le Millionaire, what do you have to say before we knock the stuffing out of you? And Monsieur Blanc stays silent. From the doorway in this silence, one of the men is like, oh, but heavy work you need doing, I'm your man. And some more <laughs> men come in. And one of them's taking his mask off and Tanaria's like, oh my god, why did you do that? And the man's like, just for a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) While that's going on and Tanaria turned his back on Monsieur LeBlanc because he's like, you know, there's a lot of boys in this room and there's no means of escape. Mm. Nine against one, assuming that the Tanaria woman only counts as one man. Um, and it's at, yeah, at this moment that Monsieur LeBlanc seizes. That was me excitedly smacking the book, if that sound picked up. <laughs> Kicks the chair over, shoves the table back, and then before Tenardier has time to turn around with amazing agility. <laughs> in one bound, he's at the window and he throws it open in a second and he's half out of it in the time it takes for six strong hands to grab him and they pull him back into the den and the Tenardia woman grabs him by the hair (laughs) and the old man who was on the bed and it was only at that point that I was like, oh, it was a different old man (laughs) Um, who is befuddled with wine rolls off of the bed no, staggers over staggers, yeah, okay so he he gets off the bed at that point um Mm. And then one of the other boys grabs a candle and Marius recognises his face as Brigonel, one of the many named villainous boys that we've had mm. in the recent chapters. And he raises some kind of bludgeoning instrument, iron bar, with a, a leaden knob at the end. <laughs> and it's at that point that Marius is finally like, right, I can't hold out against this spectacle. Father, forgive me. And he starts fumbling for his pistol. But that's when Tenardio is like, don't harm him. And where before, in the face of his prisoner's calm, Tenardio was like frothing at the mouth, becoming very vicious. Mm. Because there's now been this scuffle, that's actually calmed Tenardio down. Because Mm. inside him are two wolves. (laughs) The vicious one and the crafty one. So the vicious, the vicious man had been dominant when the mm. victim struggled and seemed to want to fight back. The crafty man resurfaced. And in saying don't harm him, his first achievement unlocked. Marius is paralyzed and doesn't turn off, doesn't <laughs> shoot his pistol. Because he's like, <laughs> faced with this new development, saw no harm in further delay. God. Who could, t- who could tell, question mark, something might turn up. Jesus. Wow, yeah, Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> You're like, well, Marius. Surely now's the opportunity to do it. <laughs> it when there's like nothing happening so that nothing more happens. But Marius wants the best of both worlds. He doesn't want Ursul's father to perish, but he doesn't want mm. to seal the doom of his, of the colonel's saviour. So he's just, it was just the like, who could tell? Something might turn up. <laughs> that really got me. <laughs> so, meanwhile, a Herculean struggle is underway. And mm-hmm. we know what a beefy boy Jean Valjean is. 
He's mm-hmm. punched the old drunk in the chest with his like iron <laughs> fist. Uh, and he flies across the room and then he backhands two more of his assailants and he pins them down one <laughs> under each knee. He doesn't even need both his knees for one boy. Yeah. One knee each. <laughs> and they feel as if they're under the pressure of a milestone of granite. God. And he's got four other boys like trying to <laughs> grapple with him. Um, (laughs) thus overpowering some and overpowered by others crushing those below smothered by those on top (laughs) and he's trying to shake this pile off and he's like a wild boar beneath a howling pack of mastiffs and bloodhounds and the Tenario woman is like still in the midst of it she has never once let go of his hair but Tenario is like you keep out of this you're going to tear your shawl and she obeys as the she-wolf obeys the male. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and he gets them to search him. And Monsieur LeBlanc just like gives up resisting. He searched. Mm. They don't find anything except a leather purse containing six francs and a handkerchief, which Tenarie takes. Uh, Everyone just wants fucking uh, Jean Valjean's handkerchief. Christ. It's true. They just need the um, token of his favor. <laughs> and he's like, oh God, I can't believe he doesn't have a wallet or a watch. Whatever, tie him to the foot of the bed. So they tie him that he's mm. sat up on the bed with his feet on the ground because the bed is a old hospital style bed that has four posts. So he's kind of tied to one of them with his arms tied behind his back. Mm. The drunk is fine. He's just drunk. Mm. So you're like, wow, thank you for just like giving me all the movements of this one drunk man. <laughs> I've just been so worried about what's going on with him. This is my blobo, old drunk man. <laughs> and then I guess this is a bit of wordplay. Sweep him into the corner and... His boys are all dressed up as sweeps, so they do indeed right. sweep him into the corner. You're like, great. Uh, <laughs> Was it all for that? Sensible <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> um, and then even Tarani is like, Bebe, like, why did you bring so many boys? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what can you do? They all wanted to be in on it. It's a bad time. There's no- like, There's nothing going on. Like, what else were we the football do? went on, so like, what else, you know? <laughs> Nothing else for us. So, Monsieur LeBlanc tied up, exactly as I described. And then Tenardier recomposes himself uh, from unbridled violence to calm and cunning. Um, and Ma- Marius hardly recognises the face. He felt what a man would feel who saw a tiger turn into a lawyer. <laughs> Hmm. And he's like, Monsieur, why you shouldn't have tried to jump out the window. You might have broken your leg. All I want is a chat. Let's just have a chat. Mm. But first of all, I have to tell you something that I've noticed. And you're like, okay, come on, Victor Hugo, lay it on me. <laughs> what is it this time? Well, what I've noticed is you might have cried out thief or you know murder which people do when Mm. something's happening but and no one would have blamed you for that but i've noticed that you didn't so Mm. even though it's really good for us that you didn't and like i know we're in like a corner room and we're so far from anything no one would have heard you so like it wouldn't have mattered anyway but anyway i did notice this thing one must extrapolate (laughs) 
<laughs> because you didn't cry out, you stoic old man, you. You didn't mm. want the police to come. So mm. you must also be a criminal hiding something. So instead, let's come to an understanding. And Marius is like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> I, like, that is a pretty... Huh. It's a good observation, though. It's an interesting observation. But also, Marius accepted that way too easily. <laughs> yeah, like, it is an interesting observation. But then, mm. all, I guess maybe because I'm like, I know the plot has to move. So I want mm. to fight the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where I'm like... Would you think that in the heat of the moment? But I guess Tenario is meant to be so cunning that he would notice things like this. But like, mm-hmm. also, he's just like been so calm and showed how strong he is that maybe he just like doesn't feel the need to shout out. I don't know. But then maybe well, that's also telling fine. Probably... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm still like, like fine. <laughs> I like I have to allow it. It happens. But Marius being like, wow. Tenardier's very reasonable observation intensified <laughs> Marius's like mystery around this strange grave character. Mm. <laughs> so he's like, okay, let's see what more he has to say. But Marius still like he's still admiring. He can't help but admire that magnificently melancholy countenance. <sighs> Clearly, this is a person incapable of being scared. Even where somebody else would have been overcome with their bewilderment, he's giving no quarter. God, there's still ten pages of this chapter. Okay, I'm gonna assume that Marius just is like constantly does it. Like at this point, do I intervene? No, well, yeah, well maybe, yeah. but mm. <laughs> yeah. Tenardier's like, oh, and by the way, moves the little brazier so that we can see the glowing hot poker. So that threat is, like, in Monsieur LeBlanc's face. That he's like, okay, we're going to come to an understanding. I shouldn't have lost my temper right now. I went a bit too far, but, like, come on. Mm. You've got a lot of money, but I'm not unreasonable. So I don't want all your money. Like, I don't want to ruin you. I'm Like, I'm not <laughs> the kind of person who's ridiculous and would take advantage like that. I just want 200,000 uh-huh. francs. <laughs> <laughs> and Monsieur LeBlanc says nothing and Tenardier continues on he's mm. like you know I take my wine with a fair amount of water like I don't want for too much and I know that money's no object mm. to you you charitable old man um, <laughs> it's just like a trifle in your pocket I'm sure I don't even like we don't want to lay a hand on you and look I'm not unrealistic I know that you don't have that much money in your pocket all I need you to do is write me a note And uh, I'm not going to accept that you don't know how to write. (laughs) And he gives a smile that an inquisitor would have envied. Gets out some paper for Monsieur LeBlanc and all the accoutrements. Um, He's like, right. And the prisoner has finally spoken. He's like, how do you expect me to write? I'm tied up. (laughs) (laughs) We just love sass in the face of threats. Just literally anyone be- reacting badly to either Marius or to Nadier. We're like, yeah, excellent. Good job. Carry on. <laughs> Favorite character. Love to see it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Forgive me. Okay, untie one arm. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, here you go. I've untied one of your arms. No human strength can get you out of this. And you're like, well, I know that there is no regular <laughs> human strength here. 
what could possibly happen? A Hugoism for just you wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he's like, okay, I don't know your name or your address, but you're going to stay tied up until the letter's been delivered. So like, that doesn't matter. I'm going to dictate what you write. Um, Start by saying, my daughter. And the prisoner shudders Mm. and looks up at Tenardier. And Tanati instead is like, put my dear daughter. And Monsieur LeBlanc obeys that. Come immediately. And he's like, who? <laughs> and Tanati is like, the child, Alouette. And Monsieur LeBlanc is like, oh, I just don't know what you mean. And Tanati is just like, for fuck's sake, just keep writing what I tell you. I'm not even going to deal with that. Come immediately. I need you urgently. Um... The person who delivers this note is being instructed to bring you to me. I'm depending on you. Come without any misgivings. And he's like, actually, wait. Cross out misgivings. That kind of suggests that maybe there should be some misgivings. (laughs) This is not a trap. Just say that. (laughs) At least he, like, recognises that by being like, don't be stressed out at all, that you'd be like, I'm really stressed now. Then he's like, yeah, okay, so sign your name. And the prisoner instead is like, who's this letter for? And he's like, you know full well, it's for the child. I just told you that. And it becomes obvious, apparently, because all of us have galaxy brains except for me, that Tenardier is being evasive saying the actual name of the girl, only referring to her as Alouette or the child, because it's a cunning man's ploy to keep this information secret from his accomplices. Uh, He doesn't want to have to Uh, tell them the whole story. So, like, mm. I I guess so. (laughs) It's obvious. But what? (laughs) (laughs) But what what would have it... Couldn't he just be like, it's a fucking long story, but I know them from my past. Like, what? Also, he already did tell us the whole story. Yeah, literally. (laughs) In this very chapter, he, like, in more detail than I recounted, because we've all been reading this book, we know what (laughs) But he does, for the rest of the class, like, basically give the full story. But not the name, so what is in a name? And the prisoner's like, fine, my name is Urbane Fabri. Do you want to no. <laughs> pronounce it for me? No? Nope. <laughs> I see. Okay. Um, Urbane Febreze is what we're going with. Yep. Mr. Um, Febreze. Febreze. Um, is that okay? Fine. Oh, pulls out the handkerchief, mm. sees the initials on it, and is like, yes, that checks out. UF. <laughs> and then he takes the letter and he folds it up and has the address put on it, which is... Rue Saint-Dominique d'Enfer, number 17, which seems to make sense to Tenardier because he's like, well, I know what church you go to, so I know you live in that kind of area. So like, okay, cool, that sounds Mm. good. And then he gives it to the wife to take to that address and is like, you silly boy who took your mask off, you've already taken your mask off, so you might as well go with her. Um, Keep that letter safe. Think of it as 200,000 francs. She's like, don't worry. Putting it down my front, all good. And even though the snow that just keeps gets getting mentioned of how we can't hear anything from this room, we can still hear the whip of the carriage leaving. <laughs> hmm. um, so Rue Saint Dominique is like uh, a five minute walk away from the sewers museum. Oh, <laughs> um, it's just opposite the Champs Elysees. Oh, we could have been. We could have been there. Could have lived it. Well, we did get lost, so we probably did. 
<laughs> so the letter's gone off. Talia's like, right, my feet are cold. I'm just going to like sit in front of the coal while we wait. And the five ruffians are s- still in the room. And we fi- I finally met that line that you've um, told me about before. The behind their black masks or through the blackening smeared over their faces that turned them into colliers or negroes mm. or demons as fear dictated. Mm. These men looked sluggish and spiritless and gave the impression of carrying out a crime as if it were a chore without anger or pity, with a kind of boredom, huddled together in a corner like brute beasts. Yeah, I, I, it's funny that it comes now. I thought that uh, we had already passed it, but there was quite a lot more references to their, um, the like, black facing. They, they had mm. some, like, paper, black paper masks and stuff, and there was, like, coal on some of them and stuff. So, yeah, it was um, interesting that there was a lot more than I remembered there being. Yeah, it's definitely come up in at least a couple chapters, actually. Mm. And then we've talked about it a lot, but yeah, um, yeah, it, it has been referenced quite a few times. And so, Terraria is just like warming himself. The candles going down. The coals are getting a bit dim. There's not really much sound except for the drunken old man asleep. Marius is quite anxious. Yeah, um, he's like, "Who's this child that uh, Tanaria keeps calling Alouette?" Could it be Ursula? And you're like, I don't know, Marius. Could it? <laughs> Maybe the only the only child that Jean Valjean uh, that that um that Mister White has been like uh walking around with for the last two years. You've been stalking them, <laughs> um, but just who who is to say? And he's like, well, you know, because also you know, Monsieur LeBlanc is just keeps being like, what do you mean? I don't know anyone. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then he's like, on the other hand. The two letters of this handkerchief that I own finally explained. Um, <laughs> they stand for Urbain Fabry and not SU. <laughs> uh, what a dumbass. And then it it was this that Marius saw most clearly. They were like, oh, did you finally, you connected the dots? <laughs> He's and like, oh God, my spank back, fuck. <laughs> he doesn't even think about it. That I think he purposely doesn't mention Marius's little handkerchief at this point. Mm-hmm. Some kind of ghostly fascination is nailing him to the spot, um, <laughs> especially because he's in this uh, where he's standing, able to observe the whole scene from a commanding viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> incapable of thought or movement, overwhelmed, <laughs> <laughs> waiting, hoping for something to happen. Um, unable to collect his wits and not knowing what to do. (laughs) Even Hugo's dunking on him. And then he's like, so, in any case, if she is Alouette, I'm sure I'll find out, because the Tenardier woman is going to bring her here. And then, if that happens, then I'll lay my life down if necessary, and I'll save her. Nothing will stop me. And you're like, you want her to be brought into this dangerous situation with all of these boys with their pile of metal marius surely (laughs) like like when when he was like oh i'm going to blackmail your daughter into coming here surely that's the point where marius should have been like oh actually i shouldn't let that happen Mm, let's like (sighs) not get more people mixed up in this yeah but no anyway half an hour passes in this fashion until tenardier is like you know what? I might as well tell you this now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Hugo didn't want us to, I don't know, have a chapter break at this point and follow the <laughs> ensuing action. Tenardier instead has to literally villain monologue and is like, uh-huh. so what is happening is the wife is in the carriage, is going to go pick up Alouette, and then that carriage is going to go to a second carriage, and Alouette and the maskless man are going to get in the second carriage to somewhere safe. The Tenardier woman's going to come back here. So once we know that we basically have a hostage situation going on, then we'll free you, Monsieur LeBlanc, and then you can bring us the money. Mm. And Monsieur LeBlanc doesn't say a word during this explanation. Uh, and is like, look, see, like, you'll be able to, you'll be free at home in bed soon enough. Like, see, my mm. intentions aren't to cause harm. And mm. Marius is like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> An abduction, you say? <laughs> <laughs> at what point in the last 45 minutes could I have done something about this don't, literally anything I could have prevented this but okay and he was like oh god yeah she's gonna be carried off into the dark where to like oh no his heart stops beating and he's like what do I do do I fire the pistol but they've made it clear that um, if anyone in the house gets arrested or anything then the mm. man with Alouette will find out and then they'll do away with her. So he's like, oh God, I've really backed myself into this corner. <laughs> really, no shit, Marius. <laughs> so now it's not just his dad's wishes that are holding him back, it's love itself. And the danger that she's in that just like couldn't have been circumvented. Oh. Uh, so feelings distressed once again. And then they hear a sound and Tanadi is like, yeah, here comes the missus. It's all going to be over soon. But she runs in and is like, for God's sake, it was a false address. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one there knows this name. <laughs> She's like, Tanadi, you're just like too good. If it were me, I would have just carved his face up to begin with. And then I would have roasted him alive and he'd have had to talk. So... He would have had to tell us where the girl is, and he would have where he keeps his hoard. I should have. You just should have let me handle this. Really, like, there's no good reason for saying men are. No, there is good reason for saying men are more foolish than women. No one was in that house. They've never heard of him. This was all foolishness. And this is when Marius cocks his gun, right? <laughs> so Marius breathes again. <laughs> So he's been holding his breath for like five solid minutes, just like, oh god! He released a breath he didn't know he was holding. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay, the girl's safe, thank god. And Tenardier the man is just like silent for a bit, just like swinging his foot, just like staring at the brassiere. And then this finally is like, a false address. What did you hope to gain by that? Time, cried the prisoner in a ringing voice, and he, in that moment, shakes off his bonds. They've been cut. <laughs> he's Now he's only tied by one leg to the, to the bed. Oh. And then he, before anyone can do anything or gather their wits, leans over to the hearth, grabs the red-hot chisel, raises it above his head, and it casts a sinister glow. 
in the subsequent judicial investigation into this ambush on the Gobo <laughs> tenement, the police find a 10 centimeter coin that had been mm-hmm. cut in half and mm-hmm. hidden and then hollowed out and hidden in the, the hollows of this coin, which I guess must have been mm-hmm. quite thick, were a piece of string that makes the coin mm. into basically a little box mm. and inside of it was a hidden watch spring. <laughs> so this coin, which can be screwed and unscrewed at will, is <laughs> when you search someone, you think that all they have on them is one coin, but no, <laughs> he has freedom. <laughs> <laughs> so the little spring in there is apparently strong enough to saw through rope. <laughs> And this is just something that, like, prisoners have figured out how to do, how to make these... Cutting a coin in half, and, like, but not half-widthways, like, cutting it into two slithers. Mm. It was just, like... I don't know. I don't know what it was when I reached that point where I was like, this is so silly, but I do, of course, love it. I love the gadget, but also, what the hell is happening? (laughs) I really love this suit piece. It does come up quite a lot in fanfic. Um, does it? Like everyone just like loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you put this fucking gadget handed to you by Q, you, you gotta, <laughs> you just gotta use it. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of times in like fanfics and stuff, because obviously it says like the judicial review or whatever, right? And so like everyone's like, oh, right, so. Um, uh, a couple of times when Javert has uh, Jean Valjean in custody and like he tries to use the sous piece again but Javert's like oh I know your tricks old man I found your like uh. sous piece kind of thing and so it, like yeah it comes up in that kind of context good job fandom nice <laughs> <laughs> make this silliest best of moments really relevant to the fandom yeah. uh so he's just been like soaring away, which explains the, some faint sounds that Marius could only just hear earlier. It explains his jerk off movements he's been doing the entire time. <laughs> yeah. One of the boys is like, don't even worry, Tenardier. He's still held down by one leg. He won't get away. I'm the one that lashed that trotter. And the prisoner is like, you miserable wretches. It's not just my life that, like, my life isn't worth protecting much, but you think you can make me talk? You think you can make me write something I don't want to write? See what I have to say about that. Take a look at this. Rolls his sleeve up. And I'd been sat there and I was like, okay, cool. He's grabbed the poker. He's going to use that to, like, burn through the rope around his foot. But no, he fucking burns his own arm. In... Nothing but a power play. He's literally just like, take a fucking look at this. And melts his own arm. So the room smells like a torture chamber. The smell of burning flesh. And Marius is horror-stricken and reeling. And the villains are like, oh my god. Um, And everyone's just like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. And meanwhile, Monsieur LeBlanc, with this red-hot iron sinking into his steaming wound, is impassive. Almost sublime. Uh, just like staring at Tenardier with a splendid gaze, bearing no hatred, and suffering just dissolved in the ser- serene majesty. And I'm also sat there like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? 
<laughs> you remember like a couple episodes ago when you were like, imagine what will happen with this this like piece of iron and I and I was like, Well, I know what's gonna happen. You were like, Well just fucking like pretend then and I was like, I don't know how to tell you, Stevie, that what happens is <laughs> beyond like beyond anything that i could imagine i almost wanted to be like oh yeah so what actually happens is um jean valjean gets the red hot staker and then just like um brands himself with it because i knew you'd be like okay but what's the truth (laughs) yeah there really wasn't a universe in that that I would have thought that. So I guess well well played, Victor Hugo. Your character's really fucked up. What the fuck? And then you're like, okay, you met, you showed that you can't be tortured and there would have been no yeah. point trying. Are yeah. you going to use it to, I don't know, free yourself now? Maybe use this as a weapon? But he's like, no. He throws it out the window. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, just do what with me what you will. Yeah, and I like, was like what? what? You it just was... freed yourself. Like, like, this is your chance. He literally only uncuffed himself so he could be like, take a look at this. <laughs> In order to, yeah, literally just traumatized Tenardier. Like, oh, you, you thought that you were the craftiest bitch in this room, mate. You have nothing on me. There is, <laughs> there is nothing that you could do to me. There is nothing you could say to me. Like, <laughs> honestly. But Tenardier rallies quicker than any of the rest of us could, and is like, okay, seize him then. So they do that, and Marius hears below him the voices being like, there's only one thing left to do. Yeah, you're right. Finish him off. So, like, they all rallied actually pretty decently. And <laughs> Tenardio goes and picks a knife up and Marius is like, okay. Right. The agony of indecision. A lot's gone on in this last hour. <laughs> but these voices, they're still in conflict. God. So, now though, the danger, it does seem pretty urgent. <laughs> Yeah, you, like, oh, this man just burnt his fucking arm, and he's like, mm, "Yeah, I guess. I mean, mm, but I don't know. <laughs> he's got another arm." I'm like, I know that Tanari is like holding a knife now, but like, I still would prefer not. To have my two duties come into conflict. Um, and you know what? Lucky for him. <laughs> What's there on the table? But the beam of light. God's light. God isn't in the other room to stop Jean Valjean from making very batshit moves. But it's here for Marius now to shine some illumination on a bit of paper. And in big letters, the words the Tenardier girl had written that morning the bashers are here and he's like Hmm. yes excellent (laughs) this was what he was looking for the solution to the dreadful problem that was torturing him similarly to how Jean Valjean had tortured himself next door how to spare the assassin and save the victim grabs the bit of paper just quietly because everything is 
able to happen quietly, I guess, when you need it to in this story. Mm-hmm. Just like chisels a bit of wall off, <laughs> wraps the paper around that bit of wall, and throws them through the hole in the wall next door. And it was like, I had really been picturing this hole as like a tiny little fits. Yeah. I can make a monocle and here it is. Smack it into my own face. That's how small the hole is. And you're like, oh, he could just throw some fucking plasterboard through the hole. Is, is his ho- is his whole head been poking over the side this whole time? I also that he can chisel this thing, right? And like, I swear, like last chapter, he like gulped, and Tanario was like, "What's that sound?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, it was he cocked the gun. Right, yeah. So at least that was silly. But like, yeah, literally, it's just like quietly detached a chunk of plaster from the wall. And you're like, I guess that weird shit's just happening now. I guess we couldn't hear it over the sizzling of Jean Valjean's flesh. <laughs> and it, just in time, because Tenardier, who was just conquering his last fears or scruples and was advancing on mm. the prisoner, and Tenardier woman's like, oh, something fell, and they pick it up. They're like, oh, how'd it get in here? And the woman's like, I mean, obviously it came through the window. And one of the boys is <laughs> like, yeah, I saw it happen. What the fuck? And Tenardier unfolds the paper. It's Eponine's writing. God damn it, everyone, get out, get the ladder, leave the bacon in the mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> and the Tenardier woman's like, are we not going to cut this man's throat? And he's like, we don't have the time. We, But we have the time to all, like, organise ourselves and throw this little, bri- like, hanging staircase out of the yeah. window. Let's get out this window, but let's first talk, because, like, you know, Eponine <laughs> threw this through the window, so that must mean that the house isn't blocked on that side. Uh, mm. you're like sure fine okay <laughs> let's not just like do a really quick throat slash on our way out yeah um, yeah so all the men start getting ready and the prisoner's not paying any attention to what's going on in fact he seems to be daydreaming or praying and the lad is <laughs> going in shock <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> I mean we can only hope that he's human enough for that <laughs> And Tenardier goes to climb out the window, but one of the boys, Brigonel, is like, hey, not so fast, old man. We go fast. And he's like, mm. uh, you're behaving like children? We're wasting time. We've got the law on our heels. Uh, and the villain's like, look, let's draw lots for who goes fast. And you're like, we couldn't be, I don't know, finishing off this old man while we have this chat? And Tenardier... Like the person at the back of the queue? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Please, while we're waiting, Tanani is like, "Are you crazy? What a bunch of idiots! Let's not waste time. What do you want? You want to draw lots by choosing the wet finger or the short straw, writing down our names and putting them in a hat, and then you <laughs> go." <laughs> I, I don't even know if I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like my hat? <laughs> a voice called from the doorway. Everyone turned around. <laughs> it was dramatic. 
<laughs> with his hat in hand. Javert was holding out his hat with a smile. <laughs> I'm so, so glad that you've been reduced to tears. <laughs> He's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. It's Javert. It's Javert. Oh my god. It wasn't like trying to get to the end of this chapter also like ramped up my desperation. But even the first time I read it and when it Javert is like, Do you want my hat? You're like, You fucking little bitch. I love you so much. Like, like, genuinely, he has to come in and drag, right? Like, that, like, there is no other way than him being like dressed like with the highest high heels you've ever seen, the tightest latex clothing that Stevie can make, and like, uh, what kind of hat? Some slutty hat, I don't know. And just like with the longest eyelashes you've ever seen, and it's just like, would you like my hat? <laughs> I just, I don't know, like, why I never, I didn't foresee this. Because in so many <laughs> places, mine and Nima's tastes really line up. But it was, <laughs> when he said, would you like my hat? It was like I went through so many feelings. <laughs> which was the... Like all this dumb shit's happened that made me laugh so much, and you're like, you, you, like, I mean, I actually did like shed laughing tears there. I'm sure you could hear it. So, like, I was at the end of a tether, so I was ready to be pushed over, but it was just like the devastation of like, I love this stupid thing. <laughs> I really can't put into words how much I hate that for me. <laughs> Why did he do this? <laughs> Mission <That's>... success. <laughs> the goddamn chapter. And I need to lay down. Um, yeah, I um there was a there were, there was a period of time at the beginning of doing this podcast where I was like, you know what? Genuinely, I don't think that I can enjoy reading Javert anymore, and I'm just I so remember. glad that you, Stevie, have <laughs> <laughs> gone through this journey because it really, really vindicates me. <laughs> it makes me feel like a good person on the inside. <laughs> makes me feel like I've uh, uh, um, changed your life really in a, yeah. in a positive manner. Because <laughs> like. They had so we we all had some fun when him and Jean Valjean were like bantering back and forth. But I was just like, yeah, okay, this is some good banter. But like, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> he's really coming to his own in his time away, and now he's literally he's just been fucking witty one liners. <laughs> like that's who he's been. He's just been like zing. Marius, zing this whole room of people, zing Stevie. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? What's happened? Why are you doing this to me? I really needed that. I really needed that, Stevie. Thank you. <laughs> I like. We we've really like powered through this goddamn long chapter today, and it was like, mm. do we split? Like this is we've not done an episode this long in quite some time. That it was like, do we split mm. it up? But then I'll have to be. 
How do I not, like, I, I can't keep things back from Nemo. How do I last a whole week not telling Nemo that, like, like, in the, because I only also had the fraction of about one minute to really take in that line, take in how it made me feel about Javert, like, all of it, because we had to immediately start recording. So I like haven't really come to like I haven't come to terms with it. I don't know if I will have by the time we next record. I need to like sit and think and be alone for a while and think about all of this. <laughs> My face hurts so much because I am grinning so widely and I have been for the last like ten minutes. I I'm like s- sweating profusely. <laughs> this chapter has killed me, and I don't know how I'm meant to continue on. By walking straight into the sun. Next. Yeah, I mean that's. that's me. <laughs> yeah, I think I like can understand you now, Javert. Like when everything in your life like changes like that. Like how am I meant to make fun of Nemo now without knowing? <laughs> Uh, I'm free (laughs) finally (laughs) now that I've passed this on to you it's like you know when the genie in the lamp like passes on the curse to the next person this is you know (laughs) Kath literally just said this to me when I was like hey Kath you've been talking to me about Teen Wolf for like six years and I don't I'm not gonna watch it I don't care about it and then it was like so Kath your favorite character I've been reading every fic about them I hate this why am I what I feel like this you don't even care about him anymore what and Kath was like I passed you the curse why do I keep collecting the curses we're all collectively using Stevie as our, our burial ground donate to our Kofi for the therapy I'm gonna need to to, to deal with all of this with this chapter yeah um yes on that delightful note which is gonna it's really warming the cockles of my heart um this has been bread and barricades a layman's podcast produced by me nemo martin and jillian yeah um if you (laughs) if you uh want to send your condolences to stevie you can do that by sending us an email layman's podcast l-e-s-m-i-s podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us you can look at the photos of us in front of the mural of john Valjean in the sewers on our twitter at layman's podcast or you can send us an ask on our tumblr at bread and barricades our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. And if you, um, yeah, want to listen to us uh, lose our minds <laughs> live on Zoom, please do buy tickets to the Barricades Convention. Uh, I hope you have a beautiful day going about thinking about how much you love Shiver. Uh, <laughs> and this has been my curse on to you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I guess thanks. <laughs> we just need to bring on uh, a new person for you to pass the curse on. Oh to my god! Else. Yeah, cannot wait. <laughs> Release me! Release my body! <laughs> Unless you have anything funny to say, then that will be the last. But thing. I'll never be as funny as Javert. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of trying? <laughs>